This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yurdle. And today we are joined with our pastor, Pastor Ken Goodban of Calvary Baptist Church. Well, hello guys. Good to be here with you. And today we're going to talk fellowship. So we thought, why not bring our pastor who quite possibly as a pastor, right? That's the most loneliest job in the church. Can be. It's like there's, it could be right. It's it's got that title of like no one really talks to the pastor. No one's really the pastor's friend. Uh, so we thought fellowship. Why not bring our pastor in with us to to talk about it? So my first question is this: best buddy movie. Best buddy best movie. Buddy mm-hmm. movie. Buddy like the dog? No, like no, not like <laughs> <the dog. laughs> like like a buddy, a tag team, duo combination, or even more than a duel. Like Starsky and Hutch, or yes, something like that. Know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I was just oldie, man, oldie, just like Brian's song, Gail Sayers, Brian Piccolo. Uh, ever since I was a kid, that was like <laughs> it makes you cry every time. So something like that. Murdoch, dude. I don't know. When it comes to movies, it's seriously. I'll watch it, and immediately when the movie when the credits roll, I forget what I just watched. I'm just sitting here trying to be like good buddy movie. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to tap out on this one. You, you found my weakness as far as questions go. <laughs> well, what are you thinking? I, I got a few, or one, two. Uh, Lord of the Rings, obviously. I thought that was a good buddy traveling journey with Sam and um, Frodo. Good buddy movie. And then the other one, I really enjoy anything The Rock and Kevin Hart. Yes, I really enjoy anything they're in together. They're just really funny. So Yeah, they are. Those would be my, my two. But Fellowship, Pastor, why is Fellowship important? Fellowship. Why is fellowship important? Well, I mean, for me, it's uh, just the, I think God, God's made us that way. I mean, we, it's not good for any of us to be alone. So he's created us. I look at it as being created in the image of God. That's part of how we've been created. And, and God, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, united together, always together. They're in relationship. So He's created us for relationship, and I, that's how I look at fellowship. I know a lot of times we think of fellowship as some kind of food part of church gathering, which I'm totally for that. I'm not against uh, food gathering things, <laughs> even right now, but uh, <laughs> um, it is the relationship, and so we're created for that. That's, to me, that's why it's, it is important, um, but there's a lot of you know, other things that drive that, too. Yeah, just even with you saying that, it's like looking at it from the positive. But when you're saying that we were made for fellowship, is that just going through the experience of life when I'm not in fellowship with people, and I found myself in that situation to where isolation, just different stuff is like, oh, yeah, I'm not operating in the way that I was made for because it's like, oh, this is broken now, you know? So like that's an area that I should not be in is out of fellowship with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that, find that out the hard way it's just like oh this is the negative spot what am i actually here for i think for myself like i'm a person who's very much good at being alone 
So if I'm by myself in the house, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm happy, actually. If there are people in the room with me, it, it really doesn't change my demeanor. Um, so for me, learning, I think I had to learn the importance of fellowship, that like it was a necessity to my life where I could have just journeyed whole everything by myself, done it and, and everything. But knowing that, yeah, God created us in a sense to, to need it. And once I understood that, that's when it became easier to want to fellowship, to be in a group of people, because I, I am the antisocial person. It, probably the most antisocial person in this room right now. I know you've got a little bit of it, and so do you, but you guys are great with people. You actually know everyone's name. They come oh, down yeah, to Pastor you. Ken, everybody knows you, and you know everybody. Anywhere we go, you're just like, oh, we're randomly at this restaurant. I'm going to say hi to all these people that I know somehow. Yeah, hey. yeah I call them brother or sister. Yeah. <laughs> hey, brother. And, and everyone always seems to know you, but for myself, like... So we were doing, I was doing the greeting the other, a few weeks ago and Matt walked by and saw me and he said like, he could see the pain on my face as I was interacting with people that I don't know, (laughs) which it's true. Like there is a forced effort into it, but I've learned to understand that sitting by myself isn't healthy. It's not good. And, and when you look at, yes, God created that there's the three of them. So that's a relationship, but even Jesus got the 12 and when he sent the 12, it was always in two, it wasn't one by itself. So there is an importance to fellowship that, that I could see it in that way. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking, like, we were talking in our staff meeting, you know, this week about, I was asking each staff member, hey, what do you think your superpower is? And so we were talking about that and just kind of, you know, thinking through that. And they asked me, well, what's your superpower? And I was like, I just feel like it's something to do with connecting with people. Like, I feel like I can connect with people, no matter who they are, no matter where we're at, no matter what they've done, where they've been, just what their job is, whatever, where it's, and I'm really more of an introvert than an extrovert, but there's that piece that I just, I want to connect and I want people to feel connected. So like if I'm walking around in the service, like before and I'm hanging out after, it's because I want it's not as much that I want to necessarily connect with them. I want them to feel connected. Um, and I, I love getting to know people and hearing their stories and, and those kinds of things. But it is that there's just something I just growing up, I always feel like I was the one in our family who always had a friend like, Hey, and we moved around a lot. My, my life, I mean, just moving all over the place, 15, 20 different schools growing up, you know, and houses and and all that stuff but i'd always find a friend and somebody would come over someone spend the night go on a family trip with us you know those kinds of things where i don't i don't remember my brothers and my sister having that much i mean they had friends but it was just more like hey can i bring my friend on the you know so i see that in in ministry in church it's like oh let's let's get connected let's let's hang out let's and i think whether it's one-on-one or a small group. Um, I do personally like the smaller kind of group than the large, you know, gathering kind of thing. Um, and it's probably because I don't know if everybody feels connected, <laughs> but it's more like, yeah. So I, I know it's important. Like when we think about fellowship biblically and relationally, all that, like we, we understand it's important. For me, it's just almost more like this part of my DNA. Like I want it to, again, that connectedness. I want our church to feel like this is a community. This is a family. We talk about 
I think bringing in those points, you're talking about connectedness. And then even when you're talking about growing up, I had a friend because just when we're talking about like, oh, being more antisocial introvert and stuff. And she's like, that's just being around people and stuff doesn't mean fellowship. Or you said, oh, yeah, just let's come and have a, a Baptist buffet, you know, or whatever. Let's bring all the food and do that. And just like, that's nice. But being and eating with people doesn't necessarily can mean fellowship. And I was like, you can eat, and we've come to term that as fellowship. But when you're touching on that connectedness and the friendship, and even when we're contrasting that against being alone, because as pastors, it's like, we're connected, or we interact with a lot of people, you know, all of the time, but you can feel alone when there's not that connection and the friendship coming in to where I think that that's the essential part, or one of the essential parts coming into this biblical idea of fellowship. That it's not just like, oh no, we get together all the time, but it's like, but why? What's in that? You know, because a lot of people can get together, but it used to be a thing with me. Like I would feel completely alone in a room full of friends because that connection and that real fellowship on that level. I don't know if I was jumping into something that you were planning on getting into, Chris. No, I just <laughs> was like, that was really sad. <laughs> I was like, oh man, Morocco's alone with a room full of friends. I no, pray for him. <laughs> no, but really in that situation, that was more of like when I was out partying and doing different right. stuff. Like I knew a lot of people and like, man, if I want to look at a time in my life where people wanted to be with me, that they were contacting me and stuff all the time, that was back then, but I would be with them. And I think that it was just from being raised in the church and knowing something different about life is that I wasn't truly connecting with them on the level that for them, this is all that there is. Like for me, this was a state of rebellion to where I was going away from what true fellowship in the church was. So I was always with people, but I'd be with people in environments to where for them, this is like, man, this is the greatest thing. But I would just feel alone because it's like, this isn't fulfilling. This isn't where I want to be. This isn't what I want these relationships to be. But this is all that there is to it. So these are my friends and this is what this is. Yeah, so yeah, all of that is sad, but it's the reality of it, you know? I, I guess what, I, what I'm catching here too is that there, can't, there, there should be a difference between earthly fellowship and Christian fellowship, right? Like the friendships we have as Christians, that, should, that relationship should be different than a normal person friendship and relationship. So there's, there's different aspects to it where, yeah, if we're getting together, what are we getting together for? What's the reason? And can we, in, in a Christian relationship, there's encouragement, there's praying, there's communication about the Bible. So there's that commonality, but there's also then uplifting. And where you could get that in the world, but I, I feel like it just, it misses something. Am I totally off on that or am I touching on something? For my little like one sentence to that, it would be fellowship within the church is coming together in the new life that Christ gives us. That's what we're fellowshipping in, is that we're all experiencing the new life that Christ gives, and we're finding fellowship within that. So yeah, you can't find that anywhere else, or if you're in the world, there's different levels of fellowship. You know, you can come together with people, but what makes the church's fellowship unique is that we're all sharing together in that, which includes everything that you just said and so much more. But Pastor, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of similarities, and it's almost like this fine line but so as christians you know first john talks about we're we have fellowship with the father and with his son and we want you to join in that fellowship so we have this relationship with god and then it goes on to say if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another so it's 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 something deeper than just the fact that you know i mean we're brothers in christ but we're not 
you know, family of origin, we're not biological brothers, but I could feel closer with you guys as brothers in Christ than I can with my own brothers. I have a brother that just lives a few blocks away. And we kind of laugh because we're really not that close. You know, we're just, it's like if we call each other, it's like, what, what's up? What happened? What do you need? <laughs> you know, it's like, but it, it's not like this sense of biblical fellowship that we're talking about. And I, I think, yes, like we're born into this fellowship. So um, there is still the, the fact that that's my brother. And when push comes to shove, blood runs thicker than water kind of thing. It's like, okay, you you got a family tie. You're born in that family. There's something really vital and essential about that relationship. There's something vital and essential about our relationship as brothers or sisters in Christ. That word fellowship, koinonia, like there's a partnership. It's it's life together. So there's something, you know, like you're, you're saying, it, it may be a different level of that, but it doesn't always look any different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people in church, I would say predominantly most people in church come to church and they have acquaintances and interaction, but they don't have like real deep relationships with the people they go to church with. So that's really what we're trying to do with our life groups is to connect people to have deeper relationships. But even, I mean, all these years of doing ministry with life groups, you can't force that to happen. It's like you put people around a table, but they don't just all of a sudden become these solid friends and they hang out together other than when they get in the group together. So it's always, for me, like really cool when I see all those people are hanging out outside of church, you know, the church building, but they're, they are the church. It's like they're hanging out together. They're sharing life together. They're not just sharing Bible verses and answers to questions on Sunday morning. They're sharing life together. And that's the fellowship that the Bible talks about that I, that I, it's so important. And as we're learning more about it, like there's so much into it. I mean, it's just incredible. There is so much into it. Just even in what you said is like, man, that could branch off into a million different directions of, well, you know, what causes that and what comes from that if you get it set up and all the different things. But yeah, if we look at as a church and ministry, we can try and set up these structures of life groups and have that. But when we're looking at what the fellowship is, like you were saying, you're you're actually going through life together outside of just meeting at this building that, you know, hey, I need you to come through, so, you know, I'm going to the hospital or, you know, whatever the thing is, the, whatever the real needs are that I don't, like you said, you can't force that onto somebody. We can't create the structure and be like, hey, you're in the group together. Therefore, it should be this. Fellowship is just so important. And there, you know, again, there's levels of that. Like I always talk about the different levels of, for me as a pastor, you know, I'm going to on a Sunday morning, say I'm preaching a message, I want there to be a level of vulnerability. I want people to know I'm human and that, you know, I struggle with the same things everybody else struggles with. There's going to be a level of vulnerability. But when I get into my small group, I feel like now I can be even more vulnerable. When I get with my accountability partner, I'm totally vulnerable. You know, it's like, so there's these levels. And I see that with fellowship. Like, you know, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You talk, you see a lot of scripture in the Bible that talks about fellowship, but I see it with these different levels. Like, you know, there's a level of, hey, I'm in life group with these people. 
that's a different level than I attend the service on Sunday morning. Now I'm starting to experience a little bit more of fellowship at a deeper level. I'm in this fellowship, the church fellowship. Then I get into a small group and we say circles are better than rows. So it's like, okay, now I'm with a smaller group of people. We can talk more, interact more. But then maybe I'm being discipled or mentored or I have an accountability partner, this one-on-one. And we're talking about like, what's really going on in your heart? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you struggling? What's, what are you being tempted with? What are, what are the things that are like, you're so on fire about, you know, and where you're really sharing, you know, deeper. Um, so I, you know, fellowship, again, I, I see it too as levels of that and trying to figure out how to do better with that as a church, you know? And I mean, again, I'm thinking of like <laughs> 10 different things right now, but as a pastor, and again, I'm going to go back to that superpower thing. Like I love to connect people um but i may not be the best at like really being vulnerable with people like i want you to be connected with these people that's super important but i don't necessarily want to like open up (laughs) to you i don't want to practice that level of fellowship with a bunch of people it's there's just this weird like point of hiding and i think this is an obstacle to fellowship is like we all feel there's something that says, like, I need to be a certain way, or I need, to, I need to look a certain way. I need to, as a pastor, there's this image, which is a false image in my head, mainly of what that means and looks like. And I want people to think that's, and to kind of get behind that curtain and really open up with people it can be scary. But I'm, I'm just going to say over the last few years, I've experienced that at a such a deeper level with some people that have really helped me understand how now my view of fellowship is experienced at a deeper level with with people than uh what it used to be yeah so i would say you're a telepath then telepaster yeah you'd you'd want to read the minds of people to help connect them but you don't want anyone in your mind yeah yeah, yeah. that would be it <laughs> Yeah, like as long as we're talking yeah. superpowers. As long as we're talking superpowers, let <laughs> I me mean, nerd out there. You're Professor X. Um, I would see myself more as a, I would either want invisibility or shape-shifting. So that way, if I'm in a room with people, I could just boop, disappear and be all by myself or shape-shift into like something else and just escape. Anyways, uh, we're going <laughs> to... I really caught on to that. Like that was the one thing I listened to more of that. Like what superhero power would I want? Anyways, uh, let's go to our first break. And then we'll come back and continue the conversation. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by the annual church potluck. Plenty of sides, plenty of desserts, but always not enough of the main dish. The annual church potluck. It ain't church if we aren't eating. All right, we are back, and I'm going to start off this second half with a few different resources that I had come across or that I found educated me in a good way when looking at fellowship and community. One of them, and we'll have to put it in the show notes, it's a quick like five minute video. And I think it's titled something like Communitas, not community. And it's just talking about that within the new covenant believing body is that a lot of times we can want to promote ministry and create ministry and have that, but we're missing like the true community and these connections as as we've been talking about and having that versus Communitas is really built 
through being on mission together and that the reason that we're coming together is for this mission in the church and that going through the mission together creates these strong bonds because that's where we find that we truly need each other and you know then there's that level of expectation that it's not just oh are you going to show up to like you know the fellowship meal that we're having I was like man I really need you to come through right now and it promotes that vulnerability and stuff because if you're facing needs here's the people that you can share it with so really bringing the idea of mission and the guy in the video says if you aim after mission then you get ministry thrown in because that's how we go about completing the mission. So I thought that was cool. Um, there's a TED Talk, and the guy doing it, I think his name is Johan Hari, and he's talking about addiction, and a quote from his talk says, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And with our church being so big on Celebrate Recovery and just, you know, all kinds of hurts, habits, and hangups, just the idea of a small group and getting in and or in the larger groups and whatever, just being able to share and start making those connections and hear from other people. And just as people share, you know, oh, that's someone I can talk to, you know, and you start building that. And mm -hmm. that's the strong, healthy spot for anybody who's coming through recovery is to be around people who you can be safe with and be held accountable. I know just going to statistics, people being in prison and coming out, if you're going back to the same group of people you know, you're more likely to go back in versus if you can make a change and have connections with new people, that's where the real change happens. So connection and fellowship can literally just transform your life in so many ways. And Chris, I know that you normally have the different lists. You're like, hey, I have this list. And looking at fellowship, normally within the church, we'll look at koinonia being the word to focus on. But there's a Greek word, alilon, which just means one another. And if we look at fellowship as one anothering, right? Because all throughout the New Testament, so I have, I'm not sure how long of a list, it might be about 15 of them in here, but when we're just told about this one anothering in the New Testament, so we are to be showing one another hospitality, 1 Peter 4, 9, practicing humility, 1 Peter 5, 5, spurring one another onto love, Hebrews 10, 26, confessing and praying with one another, James 5, 16, loving deeply one another, 1 Peter 1, 22, being kind to one another, Ephesians 4.32, submitting to one another, Ephesians 5.21, bearing with and forgiving one another, Colossians 3.13, living peacefully with one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.13, doing good to one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, being patient with one another, Ephesians 4.2, serving humbly, carrying burdens, encouraging and building up, accepting, instructing, and greeting, being members with one another, devoting and honoring ourselves to one another and living in harmony with one another. That was a big list and I started chopping off the, the, the scriptures to it just so, to save time, but that wasn't even everything. But when we just even take that view of what fellowship looks like when we're one anothering and just what those relationships and fellowship look like, like, man, that's, yes, I want that. <laughs> that is some good, strong, healthy stuff for myself, for my family. And just, as you were saying, that spiritual family you can be in can be stronger than blood families. Like, man, everything that I just read off and everything beyond that is, yeah, I want to be involved in that. I want my daughter to be involved in that. I want my wife. I want all my friends. Like, this is good life to be living with other people. Those one another's, you know, we, we talk about a lot about the one another's in scripture. And there's the, there's the positive ones and the negative ones. And I call them fellowship builders and fellowship busters, you know, kind of don't do this. Don't tear down one another, build up one another. So th those are, it's just like you cannot, if you're thinking about being a biblical Christian, 
and having this relationship with Jesus and having this relationship with God. And then there's this thing called the church. You really can't be a solid, growing, healthy Christian without this fellowship relationship with the body of Christ. You have to cut out a bunch of scripture. You can't do one anothering. You know, if you're just, it's just between me and God. And, you know, I go, I just hang out with God. I don't, I don't like the church, you know, kind of a thing. You know, I'm not into church. I'm into God, but I'm not into church. It's like saying, Pastor Ken, I'm into you, but I'm not into your wife. You know, I don't like your wife. And be like, hey, wait a minute. I might take an exception to that. (laughs) So there's just way too much in scripture that is relational. Like the one, I like how you're saying, one anothering is you just can't follow Christ without it. And if you think about him and the relationships that he had and the relationships that he built, I mean, again, I want to be more like Christ. It, it has a lot to do with building relationships and having close relationships, even where he said, you know, you, we're friends. Like, we're, we're friends. I've, I've shared everything with you guys. We're, we're friends. There's so much to that. Eugene Peterson, I wrote this quote down, says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. Hmm. He said, and this is what I like, I am not myself by myself. I like that. Yeah, I thought that's kind of, we need, we need other people. We need God, you know, it's not good for me to be alone. God created a woman for me to be, to complete me, kind of that, that idea. And it's the same thing in relationship. We need one another and we need to be one anothered. Like, and again, I'm, I tend to be like, Hey, I want to connect you with you so you can do the one another's. That's now, <laughs> And I'm going to stay outside of that. Right. You know, I'm going to stay outside of that and not, you know, I'm just laughing because that's literally why me and Chris are friends because you want another mess together. You're like, hey, you two should connect. Yeah. And here we are, what, two, three years later, podcasting together and everything else. So yeah, you're good at this (laughs) connecting people. And, you know, I've heard that really, if it wasn't for Christ, you guys probably wouldn't even hang out together. You're you're so opposite. You're so different from one another. But yet Christ has brought you together. And yeah, Jesus yeah. is the only thing we have in common, really. <laughs> it really is. That's why we podcast. We can't talk about anything else. Yeah. Uh, but I like that point because when you look at the 12 disciples, and I think what it really comes down to a Christian fellowship is it does break the mold of what the world says. So the world says you hang around with people with commonality, and you hang out with those people because you guys are athletic or you're into music or whatever, into art. And that commonality is what drives your friendship. But with the Christian community, because our commonality is Christ, we can all be completely different. And you look at the 12 disciples. You had a zealot. You had Jews. You had a tax collector who was probably taxing those people earlier before they met Christ. And you have all of these people who God then paired together and said, be friends and learn what it is like to fellowship with with the differences you have so that way you can go out there and be effective. And, and yeah, that, that's exactly me and Murdoch. There's not really much that we talk about other than Bible stuff or a few things here we have in Conspiracies. common. Conspiracies. Conspiracies, yeah. We do, Conspiracies. We do run, that, oh, run yeah. that river together too. But uh, yeah, other than that, that would be our common goal. But it is one of the best friendships I have because we've found that common goal. But then uh, I like that thing you talked about, the what was it, the addictions? 
the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Yeah, and, and that's something that we connect on because we both deal with like depression issues. So we, we run through that together. But it is getting together with the commonality of Christ behind it. And when that drives it, then like you were saying, it drives out the mission. So now we're doing things together for the goal of the kingdom. And I guess as God puts us all together, it's because he's bringing his family together so that we can be united as a family to go out and do his family agenda. And, and yeah, that, that, that to me is like what really nails it is that we, we can be different people. And, and I've loved since coming back to Calvary that I really thought like I was going to hang out with Matt all day because that was the only person I knew. But I, I actually spend less time with him than most of the people here. And a lot of the people within our life group and within the people I hang out with are nothing like me as a person. But we found commonality. We found Christ. But then there was, uh, and I think you mentioned this, Ken, the exposure, the mm -hmm. vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And once, like for me growing up, and I guess this will kind of segue into our next part, but like growing up, I've always kind of isolated myself because I didn't want vulnerability. I didn't want people to see my mess, my mistakes or whatever. But that's what led me to being by myself and then even falling into slippery slopes and, and messing up because I was just alone, but being here, that vulnerability, like, yeah, I, I struggle with depression. I have social anxieties on a good day. I only get angry like 10 times, you know, like these are the issues that I face, but I'm more willing to share them. And once you share them, people are more willing to listen. They're more willing to care and they're more willing to join side by side with you. Yeah. And that, I mean, I, I want to go back to there's again, there's so much in that, mm -hmm. but I did, I, before I forget about what you said about being on mission together. Yes. Like, again, another part of fellowship that, that I enjoy is like if we have a mission team or a, a ministry team or, you know, we have a, a group of people that get together and they, they hand out food on Thursdays or we go, you know, Habitat for Humanity, take a group of belong students over and work on a house. There's, there is, you know... A, I view it kind of like God not saying, okay, I just want you guys to hang out. Just have a close relationship with each other. But it's like, yeah, have that close relationship on mission as you're building relationships with outsiders, you know, people that you don't have relationships with. And so we get out on some kind of, on a mission together. And if we're just, we say, hey, let's go do this together. Let's go on a outreach together. Let's go build something together. Let's go serve something together. That group of people develop a closer relationship mm -hmm. because they're on mission together. They're working together. So we, you know, we look at, you know, hey, try to get people to play together, study together, pray together, work together, laugh together, cry together, all those things together. That's just part of the one anothering, you know, of, of experiencing life together, but at different, uh, different perspectives. So you don't have to, you know, you, you might have a group of athletes at the church that like to go play softball. But then there's other people that aren't necessarily into softball or football or whatever, but they can all go build a house together. Mm -hmm. They can go on a trip to Mexico together. And just the trip itself, Chris, you know, I had you ride in the car to a, a leadership conference with me. What was that? Six hours up and six hours back, basically. Felt longer, so but yeah. Chris was in the car you know, and I could not, I couldn't sleep while I was driving. He just kept talking the whole time. So uh, <laughs> um, it's, but it's like, but it, 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 within that time, our relationship grew way closer than it had ever been. 
because we're just talking about all kinds of stuff and sharing about our own hearts and what's going on in our lives and, and all that. So, but the mission thing I think is crucial because we're on mission. It's not like, well, your mission is just to love each other. As you're on that mission, that's going to increase as you're doing that together. And all of that being packed into that quote that you read. And just really, I, I went through that experience of trying to do Christianity on my own. And it's the kind of thing, like, well, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with others. Because like, man, I could like, yeah, all this other time I'm doing stuff by myself. But then you just hit a dead end. Like You get to the dead end. And you're like, cool, I'm by myself and it's here. And it reminds me of uh, in Ecclesiastes 4. Where it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. And just like, yeah, it's a pitiful state to be by yourself without this companionship, without this fellowship. And even in the ideas that I ran into, just like, man, I really wanted to pursue this kingdom of God. And I just couldn't be on mission by myself. Like you just, or you can be like, I'm going to go off and do this thing. But it's like, it's so much lesser than and just not even what could be or should be according to what God has has set up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the mission part, so many aspects and layers to this fellowship thing. I Sorry, I was just um, typing down what you said. You dropped another nice little bombshell on us that if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with others. Oh, like that this, wasn't for me. <laughs> either way, <laughs> that was nice. Out there in the... That was nice. And you put it in there so quickly that I, I, I did want to at least stop and talk about it because that that's so true. I, I am that person. If I want to do something quickly, I'm going to do it by myself because, of course, that's the fastest way to do it. But yeah, if I'm thinking about it, if I want to go far, it, it's so much harder to go by yourself. It, it's so much harder to do things by yourself because you run out of energy, you run out of tools, you run out of whatever else is there. But doing it together, you're sharing an experience together. So I, I did really like that. Even going to that point of like just our limitations of being by ourselves, and you said, I don't know why I work better just even listening to somebody. I don't know if that was on the podcast or before we were talking about that, that you're getting work done and you'll just throw something on so that you're, you know, hearing other people. And that's been a thing coming through this pandemic is that there are Zoom work parties, I guess you could call it, to where everybody signs up and it's like accountability. Everybody just goes on Zoom, you have your camera on, but you're not working with each other. You're just working with other people because that isolation to where people are like, it's not good for me. Like, you know, I'm wanting to be working. I'm wanting to be productive. I realize that me working by myself, I might think that it's faster, but it's like, I'm limited and I get distracted or I fall or I do any of these things. It's like, I want to be with other people, even if it's through Zoom and just like, man, some of those things are huge. There's like 200 people just on a Zoom call that for whatever that gives for as like little as that can seem, it really makes the difference. And the pandemic was a good, I think, at least for Christians to really look at it and for people like an exposure to isolation because we were, we were supposed to isolate. We were supposed to be by ourselves. And for some people, yeah, it started off really fun. Like, Hey, like for me, I was like, cool by myself. I love this. Uh, Except for the kids and Justine being in the house, but (laughs) Hey, I could go to another room, but it was like, great. But within like a few months, like I I hit the, like, no, I I need to be around people because this isn't healthy for me. Someone who will, will get stuck in my brain and go into the self-pity that I live in and all that other stuff. Like it, it wasn't healthy. I need to be around other people, which I guess what gets us to like the end of this and, and we could talk about it. Uh, but the idea of like isolation is bad for Christians. Like we can't do this alone. And we for weren't anybody. Des- yeah. And for anybody, mm-hmm. we weren't designed to. I have a, a tattoo on my arm. It's from a Foo Fighters lyric, other song 
fly along with me, I can't quite make it alone. Well, I got that on my arm probably during one of the most loneliest time in my life when like my marriage is falling apart, ministry is falling apart. But to me, when I got that put on there, it was my, um, it was my exposure to everyone. Like as much as I'm telling you, stay away from me. I need you. I need you in my life because I can't do this alone. And it is kind of become like the motto I live by, especially again, you know, social anxiety, don't like people much that I consistently remind myself I can't do it alone. Yeah. And that, that just is bringing to mind that there's so much, I, I feel this tension of, you know, I want to be close, but I don't want you to get too close. Mm-hmm. I want to be close. Don't, you know, kind of like you're saying that on your arm. It's like, Hey, I'm making this declaration, but you know, uh, I just want you to know, but I don't want it to be too vulnerable. Kind yeah. Of and thing. it's on my upper arm too. So there's a sleeve most of the time. Yeah, so people, exactly. no one sees it. So if you're I, hiding the declaration. It's, yes. It's only who I want to see it. You know, yeah. It's kind of, okay. But yeah, it's like the teenager who's rebelling against their parents, but they're, they're almost like saying, do you love me mm. in the midst of this? And it feels to parents like quit loving me, <laughs> you know, but it's, you're saying the same thing. And it's like, relationally, we were created for these, you know, for the fellowship, for community, for connection. And I, I use that a lot with that opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. Like we want to get you connected to the right people. We want to get you connected in a group. And I, I, I love some, some of the stuff that John Ortberg has done on, you know, relationships. And, and he talks a lot about this study that I, I think it was Robert Putnam did um, a few years ago, 7,000 people over nine years, just kind of testing relationships and connectivity. And it was like, basically, if you, if you had like even bad habits, you, you were overweight, you drank, you smoked and diet was, you know, off the charts, but you had really good friends, you would actually live longer than the people that were um, healthy as far as fitness, but were in isolation, didn't have a lot of friends. And so he was like, so it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than eat healthy alone kind of a thing. And, I like this guy. And, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I love John Ortberg. But he, he talks about that their church, they would say, uh, according to Putnam's research, that if, if a person wasn't in any groups, they were just by themselves, but they came and they joined one group. And this could be not necessarily a, a life group. I'm not talking about a church group, just any group. So yeah, Christians definitely, but it's just the way God designed us as human beings to be relational. It's like if, if you would just join one group, your chances of dying are cut in half. And so again, Ortberg would say, so in our church, we say, join a group or die kind of a thing. So it's just so important for us to be in groups, but yet there's something about us. And you take this back to Genesis 3, we're all hiding. We all got stuff to hide and we're not sure we want to be really open, honest, vulnerable with someone else. And that is exactly what brings us together. And I mean, I've, like I said, last few years in ministry have been way better for me because of understanding that, not just in my head, but actually practicing that in my life and, you know, going through some recovery material and and walking through with men in our church. Because I was always taught, if you're the pastor, I mean, you can't be really, you can't really be friends with people in the church, you know, 
you're you're that <laughs> you are you are you know hovering above making sure everything's working but you're not really in the body and i've always thought no i don't i don't agree with that i think as a pastor i'm still in the body mm-hmm. i'm not trying to have some out of body experience i'm like in the body <laughs> but it's like it does get a little tricky like because you start you know you're afraid it just comes down to that i'm afraid you're going to use what I'm going to tell you against me, or it's going to change your perception of me. And being able to be open with someone or a few one another's at that level is vital. It's a game changer for my own emotional, relational, spiritual health. And like I said, there's, there's a tension there. I wonder if that vulnerability with others is because we're still not able to be completely vulnerable in our relationship with God. Like we still want to hide things from him. So then that also does the same thing that we do with people. We still want to hide things from people because if we're not vulnerable to God, then like that's the first relationship we need to get lined up and in check. And if we're not getting that down there, then maybe that's what prevents us from even doing it with other people is why we kind of do the same stiff arm tactic we do with with God that we do with with people. For me, I definitely think that that can be part of it. I think that we have a deep desire to be known, to be known by God and to be known by other people. But yeah, our failures and stuff that make us want to hide, hide from God, hide from others, which is kind of what you're saying. I think that if we're hiding from God, we definitely want to hide from others. But what I found is that Man, throughout my past, throughout, you know, even up till recently, it's like, I do fail. I do fall. And I've gotten to a point to where just like, I, I understand God's grace better. I'm not hiding it. You know, I'm presenting those things to him as often as I can and that I think about it and through carrying over that. But I found that I was at a point to where, okay, I've confessed this to God and I know that I'm forgiven, but I'm not known by anybody else. Like I have the fellowship with God. And Chris, this is actually, I don't know if it was, however many months ago, me and Chris sat down and I literally just like, dude, this is going to take a minute, but I need you to just know who I am. Like, and I just bared it all out before you. I was just like all of the deepest, darkest things that you just don't tell anybody. And Chris is the only person who knows these things, you know, outside of my wife. And he might even know other things other than that. But it's just like, now Chris truly knows me. There's nothing hidden in that relationship. And what that's done to just a freeing capability within that to just like oh wow somebody else knows me and that's okay and the relationship is still there that for is broken or for whatever whatever i want to hide like i have fellowship with somebody mm-hmm. just truly who i am not the image that i want to put out or not the stuff that i'm scared like i actually have a friend mm-hmm. who knows me and he's friends with me not mm-hmm. with anything that i want to put out there so yeah i think that it could be if you're hiding but then i highly recommend as you were saying past like to be vulnerable and to be, it's a scary thing. <laughs> like it took however many years of friendship to even get to the point of doing that, which I was working through my own stuff. But pastor, you had said about like that teenager that's rebelling. This is kind of a separate point, but that teenager that's rebelling, like, do you love me? And being able to have that with the parents and they're both kind of saying the same thing, but because of hurt or because of whatever, like that's not coming through is that I think that a huge thing First, it's starting our fellowship with God, but our fellowship with others is to look at reconciliation being such a huge part because how can I have fellowship with you if there's a if there's something in the middle? You know, if there's hurt in the middle, if there's misunderstanding in the middle, like we have to reconcile. And when I'm thinking about friend groups or families or whatever, that is just a huge thing to fellowship, even if it's 
means the starting point to fellowship or something that will become necessary as you have fellowship with other people is that something's going to happen that's going to need reconciling, you know, and to be able to just really have that from God about what mercy and grace and seeking the best for somebody else and forgiving them and seeking forgiveness for ourselves is that reconciliation just being a huge part of fellowship because I know that's a, why can't be friends with them? Oh no, it can never be like that with us or, you know, any of those things. And just like, no, God's, God's reconciliation can go far. I mean, I've seen that in my own life between family, between friends, within my marriage, that just where I see the world giving up because that can't possibly be reconciled and come together. My strongest relationships are those that have been broken and been put back together by God. So just looking at fellowship is that it doesn't mean that it's easy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that it's impossible. You know, it's just looking at whether it's a starting point or just to be aware of on the future is just, yeah. We're broken people and we're trying to have close relationships with broken people. Right. And I'm well, the biggest one. It's a couple of things I was thinking of, Chris. I need that list of uh, d- deepest, darkest secrets from Murdoch. He's one of the pastors. <laughs> I, just, I just need to know all that stuff. So Preaching we, points, we right? Stay after, <laughs> well, we stay I'm assuming if you didn't fire him after Friday night, this would also be okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think of it this way, too, is that this relationship with God, that God like drives us to have relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, okay, God, I'm growing in my relationship with you. I've, I view it as God saying, okay, great. Now go talk to this person. Okay, God, here's my confession to you. And he's like, all right. You know, James, you know, 516, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed, not forgiven, but healed. So when we talked about the, the, the cure book that we read, love it. Such a good book. Like go through that. So much even stuff about fellowship in it. But confessing to someone else that deep dark secret to get to that fully known place and what you discover is that now i can be like totally free with this person there's nothing i'm hiding you know that's how god wants it so if i'm growing spiritually really if i'm growing spiritually i'm going to be growing more relationally with other people not just in my relationship with god i was it's to me, it's always like a two-way thing. There's this horizontal, vertical relationship. And if, if I have a problem with a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ, it's an indication I have a problem. There's a problem in my relationship with God. So I'm probably not talking to God <laughs> about that. And he's like, just tell me what's... I, I already know what's going on, but just tell me what's happening. And it's like, okay, well, then he's like, okay, go back and talk to that brother or sister go make it right do initiate reconciliation if if that's what it is but also initiate openness you know go tell them like this is and I, again in the in the cure book where the the guy's like okay this is my life and he like says all these things and the guy from the back of the room of grace says is that it is that all you got <laughs> you know and it's like i've been in those moments where i've shared with you know some people and have them go Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, these are church members. I'm going to tell them this. And they're going to be like, uh, yeah, you can't be our pastor anymore. But it's more like, and that's the fear in my head. But what happens is they go, okay, first of all, we already thought that about you or we knew that or, you know, oh, you're human like us. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's just, you know, so that relationship yeah, there's 
they're re they really are radically connected together. I like how you brought up the James verse because for me, I, I think that's what's helped. Uh, like even with my battle with depression, is that I, I openly just talk about it. I, I don't shy away from it. I don't live in the shame of it. But there was a long stretch of it where I did that all by myself. And doing that by myself, it it actually buried me where I would be, there'd be months of just struggling to get normal. And, and now it, it's, it's probably one of the, like, after I say I own chickens, it's like the third thing I introduce about myself because it, it's, it's easier to put it out there and let people then pray for you because then that helps with the healing or just expose it because then it's like, here it is. And, and that, that's who I am. And this is where God's working out with me. And even if it is like that Paul thing that I've prayed for it to go away, but it's not in his strength or yeah, in my weakness, he's made strong. So uh, I, I really like that because that's such a great, great point to all of this. And, and we are way past the, the session of this time. So if anyone got any last minute things to say, I, I'll, I'll let you do it and then I'll, I'll wrap up. I'm just going to say, I don't care that it went over. I think this is going to be one of the best episodes. I'm going to go back and listen to I'm, it. I'm, I'm just thinking, man, really? Are we out of time? Really? I mean, this is, uh, this is good stuff. And I really appreciate you guys even opening this up and, and sharing today. So It's been interesting. Every person we've had uh, for this new season where we've, we've had just regular talks like this, the same thing has happened at the end. It's like, wait, we're out of time now already? And, and I do like to stick to that hour time. So yeah, maybe we'll do follow-ups to all of these somewhere down the road. But uh, the, the one thing I just want everyone to listening to get at the end of this is that uh, fellowship is important. Being vulnerable is important. And, and having that relationship and that fellowship with God lined up first, then go work on it with people. And, and what was it? Do the, and others or with others one another one with one another's go one another with somebody and and do that so i am chris i'm Mirdlich. i'm pastor ken and we are your church friends thanks for listening